0: Outside of some nostalgia and a couple of really well-made documentaries that came out in the last 10 years, Miami Hurricanes football was becoming an afterthought for a lot of people around the country. In a matter of months, though, that perception is definitely changing and changing quickly. You are Locked on Canes, your daily podcast on the Miami Hurricanes, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host, Alex Dono. I'm a University of Miami alumnus, longtime South Florida sports radio vet, including pregame and postgame for Miami Hurricanes football. Thank you so much for making Locked On Canes your first listen every day. We're available free wherever you get your podcasts and available free on YouTube. Rewind to about three weeks ago. We did an episode on quotes from an anonymous coach who had some really critical things to say about Mario Cristobal, some of which was surprising. I mean, people will commonly trash Cristobal as not being a very good game day coach. You see that a lot. But this anonymous coach that spoke to The Athletic about three weeks ago even called Cristobal an overrated recruiter. And said, you know, why would you ever leave Oregon with all their resources to go to Miami? What do they have at Miami? You had all the Nike money at Oregon. So that was really critical. And I think unnecessarily critical in some cases. But folks, I got to tell you, I know we love an us against the world mentality. And there's definitely still some of that out there. But not everything being said about Miami and about Cristobal and about the Hurricanes football program from the outside, not everything is negative. There's actually some juice out there. And like I always say, when you've got, you know, a new coaching staff and a new era, new AD, new GM of football operations, like everything is brand spanking new with the Miami Hurricanes football program and it's mid-June and they haven't coached a single game yet. Mario Cristobal's record at Miami is 0 and 0. At this point right now, guys, I don't care if the outsiders, whether it be coaches, media members, fans, I don't care right now if they're saying positive things or they're saying negative things, because all that matters at this point is they are talking about you. That's all that matters right now. I want Miami to be relevant again. And anything negative being said in June doesn't mean squat until they actually start playing football games. But here's, I think, a pretty positive one for you. So this is clearly a different anonymous coach than the one that spoke to The Athletic back in May. An anonymous coach spoke with Athlon Sports. They talked about Miami's overall situation, and they also talked about Cristobal making the move to Miami uh, there's a lot of good in here. There are a couple of things that I want to unpack and and maybe uh, put the microscope on with this quote, but there's a lot of good here. This anonymous quote said, uh, coach said about Miami, obviously, there's a lot of attention here. He said, this move, ball moving, uh, felt like it had nothing to do with football, at least with what Manny Diaz was doing towards the end. We will unpack that. Don't worry. Let me finish the quote first. Go back and look at the tape, he said. They're really close in the Virginia and UNC games. If they go the other way, Miami wins 10. The old staff had finally figured out a plan on offense, and Rhett Lashley had it going at the very end. They probably gambled too much on De'Ara King's health, and that killed them. If they had gone with Tyler Van Dyke from the jump, they'd still be here, talking about Diaz and his staff. That kid is the absolute real deal. He's a future first-rounder, and he's going to be the most talented quarterback in this league, being the ACC, by the end of the 2022 uh, season. The receivers uh, are as solid to good, and the back is good. The line is finally decent, so they've got a really solid core to build on. The Kevin Steele hire is interesting, he says. That's the defensive coordinator, of course. You guys know that. Why why did I even have to say that? We, We got Canes fans among us here. Uh, So the Kevin Steele hire is interesting. I think Mario Cristobal wanted a veteran guy with a lot of SEC evaluation experience who could come in and clean up a lot of the small stuff. And also hiring Kevin sends a particular kind of message. Hey, we're going to go four down. We're going to go after those kind of playmaker linemen and ends you remember Miami having. This is not a rebuild, he says and Mario won't be evaluated like it is. Some big pieces fell into place very late in Diaz's time, and there's a way they can pivot to immediate success. So uh, obviously, there's a lot of positives in there about where Miami is. He's not calling it a rebuild. It's a lot of positives for Tyler Van Dyke, uh, positives in there for Kevin Steele. But it's interesting, when, when they say, this move felt like it had nothing to do with football, like basically saying, hey, like Manny Diaz was a couple of bad luck plays away from winning 10 games and they would have never fired him. It's like um, you don't think the move is about football when they upgraded from a guy in Manny Diaz who had never been a head coach prior to Miami promoting him. I know they technically hired him away from Temple, but they they really promoted him. He had just left for a couple of weeks first, no head coaching experience, and was clearly doing an average job here. I mean, yeah, were, were there some things falling into place when they won, you know, five of those last six games, and Tyler Van Dyke emerged, like it was looking better? It still wasn't up to the standard that we are used to. So yeah, when you have an opportunity to replace an average at best Manny Diaz with a far more proven commodity like Mario Cristobal with the Miami experience and understanding of this program in this city, like, how can you say that's not about football? Like, okay. If you're thinking, you know, Manny Diaz is good enough. That just depends on your standard. Like, do you want to, do you want to be Duke's football program or Vanderbilt's football program? Or do you want to make Miami back into what it used to be because if you're holding Miami to a Miami standard not a Duke football standard if you're holding it to a Miami standard Manny Diaz was not good enough Uh, Miami should have never been making coaching hires like Al Golden and Manny Diaz to begin with I hope Manny Diaz was the last time we ever hire a coach from Temple (laughs) I hope that that marked. I'd much rather get my coaches from Oregon than get my coaches from Temple. Okay. So, yeah, listen, I, and it seems like a lot of these anonymous coaches, like they, they, they can, if they put themselves in Manny Diaz's shoes, I think they feel really bad about the way he was given the runaround for his final few weeks before Miami fired him. Right. Because you had all the Cristobal rumors out there and then everyone's like, well, why? Cause they didn't actually fire Diaz until they were sure they were getting Mario. And people thought that Diaz was given a raw deal. He's still out there recruiting and stuff. So, I mean, listen, we can revisit that stuff again in another episode, but I, I think that that's one of the reasons why a lot of the, coaches whether they're anonymous or not when they talk about what happened to Diaz I think they're very sympathetic to the way he was treated because I think other coaches are like well I don't want to be treated the same way that he was treated and and the whole deal so I I think that's why a lot of people kind of speak up for him on that so this is what the anonymous coach said about Mario leaving Oregon for Miami he says uh, these are two unrelated situations uh, they they just have a coach, Cristobal, in common. I think he's talking about Oregon compared to Miami. Oregon is a top 25 job, but back East, you would have a tough time arguing it's a top 10 or even top 15 job because of their league, the Pac-12. That's not something Oregon can fix on their own, and it is held against them when these top tier coaches are evaluating jobs. The entire West Coast has suffered these last few years, he said, and that drags down Oregon. When they drop the game to a bad Stanford team, the nation reacts differently than if an SEC team loses a road conference game. So at one loss, they're on the outside looking in for a postseason bid. Uh, He says Miami has Miami problems. And if anyone can break through and get it fixed, it's Mario. All right. Uh, That doesn't mean it will be easy. On pure football terms. Manny would be unfireable if that staff hadn't tried to get De'Ara King back out there and switch quarterbacks to start the season. That wasn't a bad team, he says. This is a program that wants to be nationally relevant again, and they are going to listen to Mario and do, are they going to listen to Mario and do what it takes, he says. Well, so far, they're listening to Mario, right? I mean, Mario wanted Roland Smith to head up his, uh, his high school relations, got him. Clearly, he wanted uh, Alonzo Highsmith to be the GM, got him. They got him every assistant coach that he wanted. They're upgrading the facilities, talking about putting $100 million in a facility upgrade. So, yeah, I know it's only been six months, but so far, they're going to listen. They are listening to Mario and doing what he asked. Uh, they also, that anonymous coach kept bringing up, you know, the previous staff forcing Derek King Last year to start the season, like as if that wasn't their fault, like that, that was their decision. Like that was Manny Diaz and company. That was their decision to start the season with De'Ara King, even though he wasn't fully healthy. And if Tyler Van Dyke was really the better quarterback, even heading into the season last year, that's their job to know that. Like, you can't say, oh, this is just terrible luck for Manny Diaz. If he had started Tyler Van Dyke from day one, they would have won 10 games and they never would have gotten fired. Like, that's his call. Manny Diaz, Rhett Lashley, they were out there in practice every single day for hours evaluating every player on that team. If they were wrong about which quarterback was most fit to start the season, That's on them. They're not a victim of that. That was their choice all along. That was their choice. Uh, Here's something. You talk about positive perception. From 24-7 Sports, college football writer Nick Costco asks, are the Miami Hurricanes contenders right away under Mario Cristobal? And he ranked that as the number two storyline for ACC football heading into this coming season. The top question, just so you know, was, Is Clemson back to normal? The two of those relate very much to one another. Because if Miami's going to be contenders this year, Clemson better not be back to normal. Because Miami plays Clemson on the road. If Clemson is back to normal, that's going to be a very tough game to win in Death Valley. Probably going to end up being a night game. I don't think they've scheduled the time yet, but it's going to be a night game. Uh, So here's what they write about. Uh, Miami Hurricanes, are they a contender right away under Mario Cristobal? There are a lot of expectations for Miami once again. The Hurricanes hired Cristobal away from Oregon to become a contender. Perhaps they can contend right away with quarterback Tyler Van Dyke under center. The ACC is considered open once again, and it's pretty much a why not us mentality for Miami. While winning the conference is a lot of pressure, at the very least, Miami can serve as a dark horse based on Cristobal's success with the Ducks. The head coach did win two Pac-12 titles after all. The playoff might be out of reach, he says, and it might take a recruiting class or two to become the cl- the class of the ACC. But Miami is a team to watch out for. So a couple of things on that piece on what it would take for Miami to be a true contender right away. We'll talk about that right after we talk about Bilt Bar. Folks, I'm getting hungry for the new mud pie. You know how our friends at Built are always coming out with amazing new flavors. This time, Built has truly outdone themselves with their new mud pie flavor. For the first time ever, Built is introducing the new mud pie flavor in both Mud Pie Bar and Mud Pie Puff. Guys, I tried the Mud Pie Puff. They come in boxes of 12. It was difficult for me not to eat the entire box the first day that they arrived. If you're not sure what a mud pie tastes like, well, if you're a chocolate fan, you'd better sit down for this, all right? The the new Mud Pie bar is rich whipped cream and chocolate mousse. I really emphasize the whipped and whipped cream, smothered in 100% real chocolate and topped with cookies and cream crumble. You've got to try Mud Pie as soon as possible. And you need to hurry, by the way, because the Mud Pie bar and Mud Pie puff are only available for a limited time. So visit built.com to taste that deliciousness for yourself. And if you're not convinced, we've saved the best for last. It's actually good for you. No, really. All built products are low calories, high protein, and low sugar. Mud pie is packed with 16 grams of protein, only 150 calories, and just 8 grams of sugar. It's like your mom baked the most deliciously creamy chocolate mud pie and then wrapped it up just for you guys. Mud Pie Bars and Puffs are available at built.com right now, but they are going fast because they are delicious. Like all Built Bars, they are covered in 100% real chocolate, so they're healthy and tasty. What's great about Built is that all their bars are made with collagen protein, which your body absorbs more efficiently, and it provides tons of health benefits, so eat something that tastes good and is good for you. You're going to love the new Mud Pie Built Bar and Puff. Whether you need a snack for your workout, a late-night treat, or... Just to grab a quick bite, Built is the perfect protein bar and they taste even better than a candy bar. Chocolate mousse, whipped cream, cookies and cream crumble. Stop drooling. Get to Built.com to order your box of mud pie bars and puffs now. You will not regret it. Go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. So if I'm going to allow myself... To entertain the fantasy of Miami winning the ACC, perhaps punching their ticket to a college football playoff, I think the most important thing that would have to fall in place is Tyler Van Dyke, he's got to dominate. You know, if you've got one of the two or three best quarterbacks in the country, you've got a chance. Let's be real here. Like, you have a chance. If Tyler Van Dyke can build on last year's success. Miami has got a shot, a legitimate shot, to win the ACC. And if you win your conference, you've got a pretty decent shot to get into the college football playoff. I mean, obviously, you know, Cincinnati, outside the Power Five, has gotten in. There are five Power Five conferences, so there's going to be at least one, if not two, odd men out. Or sometimes the SEC, like last year, gets multiple teams in. So nothing is guaranteed. I get that. But if you win your league, you've got a decent shot to get there. And Tyler Van Dyke, he's got to be the spark plug. Like he's got to be the primary driver for Miami this year because you, if you have an elite quarterback, you've got a shot to do that. Uh, I think some of the other factors are quite obvious because if you're talking about competing with a team like Clemson, I know they had a down year last year, but they're very deep. And Dabo has strung together, you know, the players that are now sophomore, junior, and seniors stringing together excellent recruiting classes in recent years. They're a deeper team on paper than Miami. So Miami needs to see some unlikely depth emerge, right? Especially when you look at offensive line, because if you do, you're going to have a rotation and if some players do get banged up and hurt you know, second string guards and tackles. Can these guys really compete? Linebacker, the same thing, because I do think Miami has good depth at a lot of other positions, but maybe not so much at offensive line and linebacker. And then at the same time, right, if you're if you're generally lucky with injuries, you know, the team that ends up winning the college football playoff, or even the teams that end up getting into the college football playoff, it's not always just the best team. It's also the healthiest teams and the deepest teams are the ones that get that far. So, I think that's a huge factor, um, but it's, it's not going to be easy, right? If you're talking about Miami, you know, competing for a national title spot or for a college football playoff spot this first year, it's a tough year for that because, you know, your two most difficult games are both on the road in tough environments. It's going to be very difficult to win at Texas A&M. You're almost a 10 point underdog in that game. You're more than a touchdown underdog visiting Clemson there's going to be plenty of just mouse traps throughout the ACC coastal schedule, as they always are. So it wouldn't be easy, but I think that that was a that was a little bit of love shown at Miami by Nick Costco. But it's not all love, guys. When we talk about the things that outsiders are saying about Miami, uh, it's it's been a three ring circus the last couple of days. After the NCAA sent enforcement staff members down to Coral Gables and down to Miami for interviews about NIL. And they talked to John Ruiz who did make a few comments and his comments were actually pretty positive after those interviews, like, Hey, these very friendly, very cordial. They're just gathering information. They want to know how all this stuff works. He didn't feel like he was being interrogated or judged in any way. But whenever you talk about opening up an NIL inquiry and visiting Miami, there's going to be a lot of negative stuff being said. So when we talk about outside perception, yeah, there are some coaches and some media members saying nice things about Miami, but a lot of the fan reaction from outside that Coral Gables bubble has been all over the board. So, you know, the responses to this inquiry and the John Ruiz interview, they're very far ranging depending on whether you talk to a Miami fan or a non-Miami fan. I've noticed the Miami fans, and we did an episode about this yesterday in case you missed it, the Miami fans are typically either like really angry at the NCAA for what we might refer to as a witch hunt, right? Or, you know, they truly believe that the NCAA is just gathering information. The headlines were clickbait, right? People are just trying to make Miami look bad, uh, that they aren't looking to punish Miami. They just wanted to see how Ruiz is working his NIL so they can learn more about the process. So, but the non Miami fans, they have this weird obsession with Miami's recent rise financially, right? All the money that's being pumped into the football program over the last, uh, you know, six plus months, and they are obsessed. With John Ruiz and how he made his money, it's just we like these people are trying to like debunk his wealth. Like, oh, this guy, he's a scammer, he's a scam artist. He's not, he's not a legitimate billionaire. Somebody needs to look into where he gets his money. If you see the mentions that John Ruiz gets on Twitter, and he's very active on Twitter, so he engages, you know, with a lot of people. Uh, like one guy even said to him. If I was a billionaire, this person said it, by the way, the person who said that is probably like, you know, unemployed living in mom's basement. But he's weighing it. If I was a billionaire, he said, I would be on a yacht fishing with one hundred dollar bills, not arguing on Twitter and DMing random retweets to tell them they don't have two pennies to rub together. This is how John Ruiz responded to that game, set, match. Okay, he said, well that's maybe why you aren't a billionaire <laughs> you think money makes people better than others you got it all wrong plus I don't like fishing John Ruiz said that's a little bit odd though right avita a very wealthy man living in South Florida how do you not like fishing uh, that's neither here nor there uh so not not all of the uh the stuff has been positive I even like somebody was in our, our YouTube comments the other day uh, I couldn't tell if it was a Miami fan or not a Miami fan but you know, we talked about the curiosity of. So, you know, you remember a few weeks ago, Nick Saban accused Texas A&M of buying their entire team. Then Jimbo Fisher, Texas A&M, accused Nick Saban of, like, burying bodies left and right. They challenge everyone, look into Saban, look into Saban. And then Miami just goes and looks into Miami. Like, you think, hey, Texas A&M or Alabama, that might be a good place to start. So we talked about that. And then we had somebody in the YouTube comments like, wait, well." what well, Why would you look into Nick Saban? Uh, Jimbo Fisher even said Saban, Saban's assistant, so they would have to look into people like Mario Cristobal and Kirby Smart because they were helping Saban cheat. Who do you think was helping Saban cheat if it wasn't Mario and Kirby Smart and Jimbo Fisher years ago? As if that's a reason why you shouldn't look into Saban. You should only look into the people that quote-unquote helped him cheat. The Saban apologists are really weird about this stuff, but... Whatever. Let's move on. Um, Miami does get another publication predicting an ACC Coastal championship. Let's go back to Athlon Sports on that. Uh, they predict Miami to win the Coastal outright for just the second time in program history with a nine and four record. The four includes a loss in the ACC championship game. So they think Miami's going to win the Coastal but lose the ACC title game. And they rank Miami as the number 20 overall team in the country. Uh, they predict Clemson to win the ACC with a 12-1 and record and get a spot in the college football playoff. And they have Miami uh, narrowly beating out Pittsburgh for the Coastal Division. Uh, they've got the Panthers finishing with the same record regular season, 9-3, and three, as Miami. But the head-to-head loss would be the difference. So they do have Miami beating Pittsburgh. Uh, They've got NC State projected to have a good season in the Atlantic going 10 and 2, but barely missing out on the Atlantic division to Clemson. So that's a positive prediction there. We've got potentially a positive recruiting update coming up. So keep it locked right here to Locked on Canes. Hey, we have an important favor to ask you. We put together a survey so you can learn so we can learn more about listeners like you and make your favorite Locked On podcast even better. This is your opportunity to tell us what you like and don't like about Locked On podcast. So go to lockedonpodcast.com/survey right now to get started. It's not going to take very long and everyone that completes the survey can qualify for a chance to win one of 10 $100 Ticketmaster gift cards. You can go see Miami play in person next year with that. To take your audience survey, Go to LockedOnPodcast.com slash survey and thank you so much for your help. And thank you for making Locked On Canes your first listen every day. We are available free wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, Quick note for tomorrow's episode. We are going to go hard into Cruton because John Garcia from Sports Illustrated, Director of Football Recruiting for SI, John Garcia is going to join us on tomorrow's episode. So we will talk about Dante Moore, the five-star quarterback, we will have John break down Jackson Carver, Miami's newest tight end commit. I want to talk wide receivers with John as well, like Jalen Brown and Brandon Ennis. So Brandon Ennis and Miami, they are in the news now together. five-star wide receiver recruit from the class of 2023. And he has named Miami among his six finalists. American Heritage star receiver. And again, man, I want to be getting more of these players from American Heritage. Hopefully, Jason Taylor is helping that process. And Mario is rebuilding that relationship there. So Brandon Ennis, who obviously we would love to have here, uh, is one. Uh, he's named Miami one of his six finalists. As you would expect, the competition is very steep. It's the usual suspects, guys. I think the only team missing from that is Oregon. Because, like, you, you notice Miami tends to get in the finalist groups with Oregon on everybody. But in among his other six finalists, Alabama, LSU, Ohio State, USC, and Texas A&M. So whoever Innis chooses, he's going to be going to a darn good football program. Uh, so here, here's where he's being, like, crystal balled or predicted. Um. Let me see. According to uh 247 sports, he is predicted 61.5% to USC. But according to On3, he's predicted 70.8% to Ohio State. So either way, Miami is not considered to be a favorite. Uh, but Ennis did have this to say about the U. That's my hometown team, he said. Coach Cristobal is trying to build something special there and I'm interested and willing to invest into his ideas that he's got planned. Um, He's going to be visiting, actually I think today he's visiting the University of Florida. Oh, I hope they give him a plate of that prison food that they serve up there. With the, the macaroni and cheese drowning in that awful looking liquid sauce. The very, very sad chicken wings that are like, petrified like stone Age chicken like they might have been like uh, raptor wings like from way back in the day the cretaceous period like i hope they give him some of that awful food up there in gainesville so he comes running down to rusty pelican to get that crouton meal down here at the university of miami uh so yeah he's gonna be visiting florida today but he has said some nice things about miami hopefully Hopefully Miami ends up getting the not. Oh, and, and Florida is not even in his uh, his finalists. So I guess I guess he's just like they're going to try they're going to try and flip him. I guess when he goes up there, so he's taking the visit there despite that not being in uh, one of his uh, finalists. So he's going to take his official visit to Ohio State this coming weekend. So there you go. And he is uh, also going to be visiting LSU as well. So there you have it on Brandon NS. Guys, as always, thank you so much for tuning in and making Locked on Canes your first listen today. Make sure you follow the show on Twitter. We will follow you back at Locked on Canes. And make sure you follow my personal at Alex Dono. Dono spelled D-O-N-N-O. And we're going to hit you hard from every direction with recruiting news, updates, notes with John Garcia, from Sports Illustrated on Friday's episode. So make sure you tune in, make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel if you have not already, and subscribe to our audio podcast feed. Hey, the first picks of the Ultimate NBA Mock Draft have been made. Search now for Ultimate NBA Mock Draft and get over 50 insiders, the Odyssey sports experts, and draft experts of Locked on NBA Big Board. The five-episode Ultimate NBA Mock Draft is underway. Make Ultimate NBA Mock Draft your second listen today. We will talk to you guys again tomorrow on another episode of Locked on Canes, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day.